Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For further information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. Today we're going to talk about Mary Magdalene. And there's three things that I wanted us to keep in mind as we are journeying this thing of being forever changed by Jesus. We're living in a changing world, a re-emerging world, and it's requiring us to take a look at our walks with Jesus, to take a look at our relationship with God and saying, how is that different now that the world is different? We're finding in scripture through different um, through different stories of people who come into contact with the person of Jesus, that they have their lives completely upended, completely changed, because they've met this person named Jesus. And Mary Magdalene is one of those people. Mary Magdalene is one of the, uh, one of the most well-known characters of the New Testament, but one of the most misunderstood and mysterious as well. How many of you remember the Da Vinci Code and all of this kind of talk about Mary Magdalene maybe being Jesus' wife or carrying Jesus' child? All kinds of crazy things about there, about her. And one of the reasons for that is because no one really knew of this town called Magdala until 2009. It wasn't until recently that the town, just laying 20 inches below the surface of the sand, was dug up on the sea, on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And in fact, they found a Jewish synagogue in this town of Magdala with, um, with, a, with a seat for the Torah and the Star of David there that would have been surely used by Jesus himself. Jesus would have preached at the synagogue hundreds of times, perhaps, throughout the course of his ministry. So there was a town of Magdala, and there was a figure in the Bible whose name was Miriam, Mary of Magdalene. And we're going to look at this video from The Chosen that outlines Luke 8, 1 through 3. And this video will show you Mary's encounter with Jesus. And it will also show you her, um, her encounter with Nicodemus as the narrative in The Chosen goes. But check this out. This is Mary's story. I don't know what else I can do to help you. Give me that. Lots of it. That's not going to solve your problems. It's meant to distract from them. No more preaching. Just give it to me. Lilith, please listen to what I'm saying. Leave me alone. 
frightened. My name is Nicodemus. I'm, I ministered to you, Lilith. I don't answer to that name. I am Mary. I was born Mary. But you were called Lilith, yes? Please, I must go. No, no, please, Mary. I, I am desperate for your help, Mary. I'm a, I'm a Pharisee. I'm visiting from Jerusalem. I'm a man of God. And I believe you have experienced a miracle, Mary. Are you really a Pharisee? Yes. I'm sorry, I wasn't... I'm not here to enforce Jewish law. So how do you know who I am? You really don't remember me at all. I burned incense. I don't remember. It's all a blur. I can't go back into that. No, no, I don't want you to. I can't even imagine... You, you are healed. That, that much is clear. I, I just want to understand how it happened. It makes two of us. <laughs> how long after my visit did you feel the change? It wasn't anything you did. It was someone else. Some... One... He called me Mary. He said, I am his. I am redeemed. And it was so. Who did this? I don't know his name. Even if I did, I could not tell you. Why not? His time for men to know has not yet come. His time for men? <laughs> he performs miracles and seeks no credit? What does he look like? Is he a member of Sanhedrin? Would you at least know him if you saw him again? <laughs> I don't know why I am sharing this with you. I... I don't understand it myself. 
But here is what I can tell you. I was one way. And now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. So yes, I will know him for the rest of my life. So good. Jesus, the difference maker. And the three things we need to hear about Mary Magdala this morning is that she was delivered from darkness. And she was included for a purpose or a destiny. And that transformed joy is shared joy. Mary was delivered, and we're not really told a whole bunch of what her life looked like before she met Jesus, only that she was possessed or she was filled with seven demons. How many of you know anyone who has been filled with seven demons? She was on her last rope. She was taking her last step. She was filled with the work of evil. And we read this about her in Luke 8. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna, and many others. These women, Mary included, were helping to support them out of their own means. We know very little. There's this chunk in Luke and then another passage of scripture after the resurrection in John, which we'll reference here in a few minutes. But the first thing we need to hear is that Mary was delivered from darkness. Mary was delivered. Jesus delivered Mary. And he calls her by her name here in the, the chosen uh, miniseries. And this would have been a scripture that, um, as if you've seen the movie before, that her father spoke over her when she was a child. When she got afraid from Isaiah 40, her father had taught her Torah, had taught her this verse to hold on to in her life. And so the writers of the chosen kind of weave this in as part of her story, although we don't really know like what happened prior to when she met Jesus. But later in the narrative in John, Mary Magdala mistakes the risen Jesus for a gardener. And she accuses this gardener of stealing the body of her Messiah. And this gardener calls out to Mary and he says what? Her name. Mary. And it's at that moment when Mary's eyes and ears are opened. And she says, my rabbi, my teacher. She knows that voice. So a little bit of context there behind the, the clip from The Chosen to, to show us how much this deliverance meant for Mary. She was possessed by demons and Jesus cast them out. And from this point, she becomes possessed by Jesus. She belongs to him. He says, I've called you by name. There's possession in that. You belong to me. I love that Jesus loves delivering people. Like he takes joy in setting us free. It warms my heart to know that he takes joy in setting us free. He, he wants us to be free. 
He desires for us to walk in freedom. And this is a, this is a theme throughout the scriptures. In 2 Samuel 2.22, he says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. Psalms 18.48, my deliverer from my enemies. Psalm 27.9, do not reject me. Do not push your servant away in anger. You are my deliverer. Psalm 33.20, we wait for the Lord. He is our deliverer and shield. And so what we need to hear from Mary Magdalene's story and throughout the whole of Scripture is that Jesus is the promised deliverer we've been waiting for. And Jesus can and will deliver us. Jesus delivers us so that we can bring his deliverance to others. What about this past year as we talk about forever change? Are there areas in your life Perhaps that you've picked up that you need deliverance from this morning. Whether you're saying it in a literal or a figurative way, Jesus delivers us from our demons. He breaks the the chains of the oppressor and sets us free to live a life of purpose and meaning and significance. Just being called his, belonging to him. Jesus delivers us so that we can carry his deliverance in this re-emerging world. To have an eye. Do you ever notice in scripture that those who were under demonic oppression or possession were never brought to Jesus? Jesus always had to search for them. Because the enemy doesn't want to be around light. He found some hiding in caves. He found others hanging out with pigs. The demon possessed, they weren't ever brought to Jesus. He always had to search them out. And there might be people in your community, or there might be areas of society, as we reemerge, that you're going to have to search out in order to see deliverance happen in our city in our communities, in our families. She's delivered from darkness, and she's included for a destiny. Jesus sees her, as we just said. Who is Jesus asking you to see? Followers of Jesus, you follow Jesus, as Mary is possessed now by the Lord. She's possessed by Jesus. Who is God asking you to see? To open your eyes and to love With the love of Jesus. Mary's included in Jesus' mission. She's included to carry the good news into all the world, as we'll see here in two minutes. She's included for a purpose. We read it right there in Luke 8, 3, that these women were helping support them out of their own means. That Mary had means before she came into contact with Jesus. And now that she was possessed by Jesus, she couldn't help support the ministry of Jesus. Yeah, Mary was on the margin and Jesus saw her. So Jesus includes us into the mission to bring the kingdom so that we can include others into that same mission. Paul writes this in Galatians 4, 4, and 5. But when the time, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship, to daughtership. We're included. Jesus saw us. 
You didn't get in here. You didn't get into relationship through all of the good things that you did or all of the bad things that you didn't do, all of the rules that you followed. At least that's not my story. That's not how I got in. The way that I got in is that Jesus saw me on the margins, just like he saw Mary. He saw me in my, dest- in my destitute um, reality. He saw me addicted to drugs. He saw me. He saw me sad. He saw my heart broken. And he went out and he searched me and he found me and he brought me into relationship through his grace. Nothing that I did got me into relationship to be included. I was included from an act of grace. And all of us were. That's every believer, every follower of Jesus' story. Is that we did nothing on our own to be included. It's not the in and out crowd. We did nothing to get in. And Jesus is asking us in this moment to see those in our lives, in our city, in our communities, in our family, who need to be in. Who need to be in. So delivered from darkness, included for a destiny, and lastly, evangelism. Transformative joy is joy shared. Do you know Mary? So wonderful. Check this out, you guys. Mary was the last to leave the cross. She was the first to visit the tomb. And she was the first evangelist. Talk about being included in a system, in a world order that suppressed and oppressed women. Jesus chooses Mary Magdalene to show up at at the tomb first. The last to leave the cross. The first to show up at at the tomb. And then the first to spread the good news about Jesus' resurrection. She has been called the apostle of apostles. Because if you think about it, Mary was the one who evangelized the apostles. If it weren't for Mary, the disciples wouldn't know that Jesus was resurrected. Let's put it that way. Mary went forward. Mary carried that transformation, that joy that she felt in hearing her name. Let's read that. And we'll close here in two minutes. In John, let's read that story. That's a good one. Starting in verse 11 in chapter 20, they ask her, Mary, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not, this is the key, do not hold on to me or don't cling to me for I have not yet returned to the father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. In my study this week, check this out. One New Testament commentator says this. 
Part of the transformation that John stresses is that Miriam could no longer cling to the old Jesus, whom she calls Rabboni, teacher, or my master. She assumed that life would return back to normal. Are you placing yourself in the story now? Yes? But Jesus' command is not, touch me not, as some have rendered it, but rather, don't cling to me. Don't hold on to the Jesus of the past. Rather, she was to go forward proclaiming that Jesus was risen. Isn't that beautiful? And what is she to proclaim? What good news is she to proclaim? That Jesus is risen. Check it out. Here's all that she says. I have seen the Lord. What if it were known about Vineyard Cleveland? Transformative joy is joy shared. That simply our testimony would be, I have seen the Lord. We're not caught up in red states versus blue states, Republican or Democrat. We are only consumed with, I have seen the Lord. I've seen the Lord. We're not caught up in all of the things, the church politics that happen, all of the drama that happens in our lives. Simply our testimony is, I've seen the Lord. I've seen the Lord. You can't tell me any different. I've seen the Lord. Jesus is resurrected. And now I have new life. I have his life welling up inside of me. Jesus says, I want my joy to be in you and for your joy to be complete. And when that joy is complete, Jesus is talking about, you can't help but say, I've seen the Lord. It bubbles up out of you. Transformative joy is joy shared. If you can't share it, I don't know if you've really received it. Because once you grab hold of Jesus' joy, or rather Jesus' joy grabs hold of you, you can't help but share it. I've seen the Lord. And will everyone accept this? No, I think you know. No, not everyone will accept it. And that's okay. That's not on you. The Holy Spirit still sees them and he's working on them. But simply put, I have seen the Lord. That would be our testimony in our workspaces, in our family structures, with our neighbors. As we reemerge and we're forever changed, let our testimony simply be, I have seen the Lord. And you know what? You can too. You can too. We're going to worship together. And I want to encourage you in these different places of deliverance and inclusion and shared joy. Uh, For those of you who are tuning in online, if there's a place that you need deliverance in, maybe there's something like in in the chosen narrative there, how Jesus puts his hand on Mary's hand and says, this is not for you. Maybe there's been something that you've put your hand to over the course of the pandemic of lockdown and your isolation. You've searched for something else, perhaps. And Jesus is calmly and gently and lovingly placing his hand on yours and saying, this is not for you. This is not for you. Just need to leave that. Leave that there during the pandemic time. You're to reemerge, delivered. And so maybe it's an area of darkness that you need deliverance from. I believe Jesus is offering deliverance this morning. Or maybe it's inclusion. 
Maybe you don't feel that sense of connection and relationship. Maybe throughout the course of the last year in all of the disconnection that's taken place, you're really questioning, am I included? Am I in on this or not? I believe that Jesus would speak to you what he spoke to Mary, your name, that you belong to him, that you are included. Or maybe it's joy. Maybe you're lacking joy in your life right now. We all lack joy at different times in our lives, but Jesus is here to give you a deep-seated joy in being set free and delivered and being included, adopted as a family member. He wants to put his joy in you. So one of those three areas, it could be something completely different. We're going to worship this morning, and um, then I'll close this out in prayer.